Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. The first thing I want to do is uh, I want to talk to Kate, my lady. Uh, Kate, good afternoon to you. Hi, Niall. How are you? Good. Nice to talk to you, Kate. Nice to talk to you too. And Kate, you have a story to tell in relation to adoption because the other day we spoke about adoption on the show and the new bill that's coming in. And the new bill kind of seems to leave the discretion to Tusla in some sense, or the yeah. or the adoption authority, as to whether you know if a mother, for example, doesn't want to find out who her daughter is or who her son is, you know, who she'd put up for adoption. Well, then it's up to them to make a decision on behalf of somebody else, and that upsets you somewhat in your own oh, personal situation. Uh, a lot, yeah, definitely, absolutely, it really does. Um, yeah, the the current minister, Catherine Zappone's, uh solution to adoptees in Ireland having no legislation applying to their equality since 1952. Mm-hmm. The last time legislation was introduced to relating to us. Um, yeah, she, she's decided to railroad in, <laughs> railroad in legislation that hasn't had any involvement with ad- advocacy groups on behalf of adoptees to actually see what we feel about it. I'm a member of Ahantus, when we're a relatively new group seeking identity rights for adoptees in Ireland. And uh, and we have widespread support. We have a petition online that's got 6,000 signatures now with 14 county council motions passed unanimously and cross-party supporting equal rights for adoptees and full identity rights. Um, but unfortunately, the powers that be, mm. Catherine Zappone and her team, do not believe this bill that we has been sitting rights. gathering dust for the last three or four years. This is the Adaptive yeah. Information Tracing Bill, and it's been sitting gathering dust. And I think the government's predicament, and I'm not going to agree with it, by the way, I'm agreeing with you, but the government's mm. predicament in this situation is the privacy of the mother. That many of those mothers were coerced, of course, into, yeah. particularly in mothers and babies' homes, into giving yeah. up their children for adoption. They were told, sign here or else, more or less. Yeah, yeah. And they were also told never try to reach out for your child. Your child has gone to you and don't even try to search. But the state's, argument, the state's argument is there are genuine cases of adoption where a mother who may have been raped in an extreme circumstance, may have been raped, yeah. who wants to give the child up for adoption, maybe moved yeah. on with her life, got married, had children, never told her family. And she Absolutely. doesn't want... She doesn't there want may be little, many of those. Yeah, she doesn't want little Johnny arriving on her door 40 years later. And that's no, their concern. Well, I, I understand that, and you know, it just shows the lack, the lack of knowledge and understanding about adoption in itself, that people are worried about adoptees turning up on doorsteps and knocking on doors. If, if anyone really gives adoption a genuine consideration, like actually put yourself in the shoes of a person who has been brought up by a family of strangers, albeit very loving and supportive, um, the reality I'm in those is shoes, Kate. I'm in those oh, I know shoes. you do. I know you do, Niall. I do. I know you understand it. And, and the reality is that someone who has been rejected from birth, ultimately, and that's what it is, adoption is, for the right, wrong or other, and all the various reasons out there, from a child's point of view, they are rejected by their primary caregiver uh, from birth or taken away from them, and it ultimately suffers that rejection. And this is, this is the kind of trauma that sits with you your entire life, pre-verbal for most adoptees because it happened in infancy. When you get to young adulthood at the point where you might be adult enough, I mean, 18 years old is, a, is the voting age, the drinking age, the responsible age. At 18 years old, the idea is that an adoptee would take a random piece of paper and go, oh, I found, a, I found a name, I'm going to go and hunt down and knock on their door and risk being rejected again. That's, that's ludicrous, and it does not happen. And other jurisdictions around the world that have legalised access for adoptees 
to their records at the age of 18 immediately with no restrictions, no reductions, mm. no limitations, just support and care uh, provided. Um, they haven't had the, the uh, sky fall down on their heads. The UK has had it since 1975. I, I, I know, and the, the, the solicitor, these. in relation to this legislation, the solicitor Fred Logan, who's, who's from FP Logan, has said adoptees have a fundamental EU law right to access to their personal data. Any request yeah. for access must be answered within a month by Tusla as a data controller. He said, Yeah, I got one of yeah. those. I, I got a letter from Tusla. I got a letter saying I'm not legally entitled to my. Uh, to my birth Well, see, I, I got, here, here's my story, right? I got the same letter and yeah. I got the same information and the way my situation was dealt with was absolutely outrageous. I was actually driving yeah. in a car one day, I was 52 years of age and I was told by Tusla that, by the way, did you know you have a sister? And that's, Oh my God, uh, oh, Niall. I know, and that sister, by the way, had been looking to trace her family for 10 years and I'd been looking to trace mm-hmm. mine and neither, <sighs> the, Tusla just cannot connect people together properly. But in any case, no. But no, because of the position, thankfully, I'm in, uh, yeah. I said it on the radio the next day. And yeah. I went away on holidays the following day for three weeks. I was going away my, my summer holidays. And my sister, who now lives in England, saw yeah. it because it went on the front of the Daily Mail. And she saw yeah. it and contacted the radio station. And we it was a happy ending in the end. We ended up meeting up and we had drinks and we kept in touch. But, but imagine those 10 years were taken from you. Never mind your whole life. But the 10 years mm, where you were both looking was yeah. taken from you. And by she the was never told they, that she had a brother. I was never told yeah. I had a sister. This you is know. extremely common, and it's common practice to withhold that kind of information in the idea, again, of doorsteps and adoptees rocking up to doors and saying, hi, I'm your long-lost kid, as if we're something out of a soap opera, which, again, of course, the media doesn't really help adoptee stories because it is continually the, the long-lost child comes back and tries to take everything back, almost like a reverse of the wicked stepmother kind of thing. You know, realistically, we have to look at what adoption was meant for, designed for, who it's supposed to benefit. Well, I grew up in town. Now, I grew up in a very loving family, very supportive. I was fortunate enough to meet my biological mother at 18. She went hunting for me the very same day. We both spoke to the same person within hours of each other, uh, both looking to make contact, like exceptional. And she lived three miles up the road from me my whole life. Her parents two miles the other side of me, like it's, it's mad. But, uh, you know, I grew up with a loving, supportive family who openly spoke about adoption. But the line was, you know, as most people kind of hear, is that adoption is to give you a better life and a life that your parents couldn't give you and felt they couldn't. Now, from my birth mother's point of view, that's absolutely the case. She did genuinely want to give me a better life. But from a legal standpoint and from the state and the way they handled this, this is not in our favour. Ultimately, if it were about the children, there would have been multiple social work interactions after the adoption orders were signed. And in most cases, there were none. You know, once the, the, the mm. paperwork was signed, these adoptive parents are the parents and they get quiet enjoyment. Nobody goes near them. And the kids grow up with no further support potentially available. I certainly had no counselling, although I could have done with it. Um, and the state had no interaction. But if, if it is about the kids' well-being and the best interest for the child, then surely mental and emotional well-being would be considered and that is identity based and well, having well, it, well, it, my right. information. And it does come down to whose rights are more important. I talked about this in the show the other day and although yeah. the bill you know takes into consideration the sensitivity of a mother who may be in a deeply concerning situation way back for 30 or 40 years ago it, yeah. I do believe ultimately you know you have a child you have a responsibility. Yeah. yeah. And yet and, you, and I feel for the people who yeah, go ahead. Sorry. The hard, the hard situations, the stories. I mean, even without a, a situation of a sexual assault or anything involved, just the trauma of actually giving up a child and living with that every day. I, I had a daughter a year and a half ago, and I cannot imagine 
how unbelievably, horrifically hard it is for birth mothers to have done that in the past. Uh, and they come through it themselves and they deal with them. Again, back in the day, there wasn't much support for them in any way either. It's just chin up, get on with it. And like, I can understand that for a lot of women, it's a hard one stability that they gain eventually coming through that, you know, the, the whole process of re- grieving after the loss of a child who's still alive, you think. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, at birth mothers, and with all respect, they, they have all rights any citizen is entitled to, including the right of privacy, which is fair enough. But it and doesn't guarantee anonymity. And, and this is the thing, adoption is an abrogation of parental rights and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. It is not permission to delete a person from history that is simply not acceptable I know, know, I've, I've never thought of it in that in that way before that that, that of course that I person mean, is many of just put off we are literally given a brand new starting point and you must be happy with that and now my, my adoptive parents are hugely supportive of my search well, I mean, for you're, you're quite and, young when I say you're quite young when I've spoken yeah, to a lot no. of people in these situations before you're talking to people who are 50 or 60 years of age because yeah. I mean, the majority of this happened probably in the 60s and 70s yeah. but of course you're only 39 I'm a 1980s years of age. child yeah. so yeah, I mean where, yeah. where we? what's your own personal story if you don't mind sharing it with us no no, I mean, no you're 39 years of age. Where, yeah. So, you know, when I, you... My, my biological mother and father were uh, dating, going out for a couple of years, but they were very young, uh, 18 years old. Uh, when I was born, I arrived in the middle of my mother's leaving for a maths paper. And might I add, she got an honours, in honours maths anyway. Okay. Right. <laughs> Top lady. So it didn't um, distract her too much from her studies. Not no. too much. She's just brilliant. Just brilliant. Um, but yeah, no, they were eighteen and and weren't in a position to to get married or to be single parents or any of that. Um, and made the heartrending decision to give me up for adoption. Um, I was born in Hollis Street Hospital, and uh, and actually, in actual fact, yesterday was my birthday, which was a horrendous hard day. Belated happy birthday! Yeah, it's one of them that I don't really enjoy celebrating it. I know, know, I know that. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the kind words, but it's uh, it's a hard one to take, Um, and and not because of anyone being mean or cruel or anything. It's just you know internally it's hard. Um, But yeah, I was born in Hollis Street, and uh, I was taken away from my biological mother pretty much immediately. And uh, as far as you know, she's no no physical contact with me. And uh, and then I disappear. I have no idea where I was for 11 days. 11 days later, the 24th of June, my uh, adoptive parents picked me up from the uh, uh, Iona Road Holy Faith Convent, and I was handed over. And but 11 uh, days, by the way, is a short period. It's a very short period. I mean, period, my period. period was 18 months. So and the standard was actually six months, and so I'm actually exceptionally lucky, and I, I do mm. realise that. I, it was, of course, because... It's Ireland, and my parents both were teachers, and one worked in the Holy Faith School mm. not far from it. And so, I, I suspect they fast-tracked my parents because they were known to the nuns or known to the convent as such. Um, I'm really grateful that I did only have eleven days because the attachment issues that I developed in eleven days <laughs> was yeah. bad enough. Never mind, add on months to that. Okay, so, um, let's, yeah. so let's, let's move on then a few years when you get to a yeah. point where, you know, you're a thinking person and you understand life to somewhat. And then when was it explained to you or when did your adoptive parents uh, I, explain to you that you were adopted? Well, I, I've always known. So I, I cannot pinpoint a single time when, they, when it was a surprise, you're adopted kind of thing. Um, no, I've always known, which was a good thing um, in certain respects and in other respects. It saddens me to think that little tiny me had to 
you know, process the, the logic of this situation at an early age, but it does help uh, avoiding the And were your adoptive parents okay about talking about it? Because I know my mum yeah. and dad didn't talk about it. Uh, I, was no, told, I, was I was told at 12 years of age, by the way, you're adopted oh, during a row between my mother and father, oh, my geez. father and a few drinks on him. So, uh, oh, both Jesus, past now don't get me wrong, they were wonderful parents, but... Oh no, of course. But, but unfortunately, like it, we, but we people didn't... don't realise the yeah. impact of this. But it was they never spoken really... about again. Ever, ever spoken yeah. about again until the That's day before so my mother died and I had a long conversation with her about well, the I'm whole glad thing. you had that closure yeah, because it's it, important to, to have that. And they may not have had any more information than you ended up with, but it's the communication, it's yeah. the chat. So when, when did you start to get that, you know, that urge in you to say, I, I, I need to find him from the very beginning? From the beginning, yeah. I mean, every time, as soon as I was old enough to write, I, you know, if I was having a bad day or upset or something, or even if I was in a good day, I'd, I'd write a little diary notes to my mother. Um, uh, they would be, it, it would be a diary that I started every other year and it would peter out and everything, but it was letters to my mother and... Uh, and at every birthday, my mum and dad made sure to to remind me and make sure that we all had a little think about uh, my my parents and you know oh, that, that was really good. Them about and nice me. Of them and really good, yeah. really, yeah, really good. And then on my thirteenth birthday, they uh, we myself, my mum and dad had a special birthday party just for the three of us, and they brought out all the extra information that they had. There right. wasn't much now, but but it was a little bit. Of and what did you have at that stage? Did you have a name or a first name? Or? No. Okay. No, didn't have anything. I had a brief physical description of both right, uh, okay. mother and father, which was <laughs> not completely accurate. But uh, but ultimately, you know, hair colour and blue eyes and all that kind of thing was mentioned. And uh, uh, yeah, I, there wasn't a huge amount else. A lot of it was information that my parents got on how to deal with an adoptive kid. <laughs> like okay, a, a yeah. two page, an A4 page. Yeah, yeah an, an A4 page. <laughs> Basically right, in a okay. book form. Um, and and more or less that was it. It was kind of memorabilia for them from, from getting me at an early age. Uh, interestingly, I, I have well, currently I have my short form, but I don't have my long form. I have a birth cert that I used through childhood, which states my adoptive parents as my birth. Oh, yeah, I know that. I know the one. Yeah, you have one of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but, and now but if I, I tell you what, I get my adopted cert. <laughs> so right, you'd like to get a birth cert? Yeah. Okay, and well, along you, with everything else, do you yeah. think your do you think your father's name is on the birth? No. No, it's more not. than likely not. No, no. Okay, well, no, I, I, I know how you can get a birth cert, okay? I can help you get the birth cert, okay? It's very, yeah, very, very easy. Um, if you ring up a HSE and yeah. you say, I would, I would, and here's the way I did it, right? I think they made yeah. a mistake, I don't know, but let's hope they make the same mistake for you. I, I ordered an online birth cert, you know, that you can order them online. And when you yeah. order it online as an adoptee, what they'll do is they'll send you out the short form birth cert with your adoptive parent's name on it, right? Yeah. And then I rang up and I said, how are you doing? Yeah, I said, I need a birth cert. I said, sorry, you sent me out the wrong one. I was sent out uh, a short form birth cert. And they go, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, what's your mother's name? So you then give your mother's name, your birth mother's yeah. name, because birth they name. they don't realise that you know that. So you give yeah. the birth mother's name. They go, oh, yeah, I see you here in front of me. Uh, and you say, could you send me out the original long form? And they'll just send it out to you. Oh, I'm going to have to try that now. It worked, it worked for me for I'm the first time. Last year was the first time in 55 years that exactly. I actually got my birth certificate. Congratulations. Yeah, but unfortunately, it's my funny, father's people, name is not on it. But. No, I know. And it's funny, though. People people kind of denigrate this as like, it's only a piece of paper. You have your adoption, sir. Why do you need all of this? There's probably no information there. It's, it's the more than a matter. piece of paper. It's more than exactly. Yeah, it's really your identity. Is. It's, it's my record of birth. It says I was born, you know, and who was there and, you know, that my mother gave birth to me and that I, you know, that I exist in the Irish system, you know, because as it is now, we're in second limbo. We're completely in limbo. 
I mean, at the moment, Catherine Zapone is claiming that she's standing for adoptee rights. I mean, this is a woman who, who stood and campaigned for equality, mm-hmm. for LGBT equality. And yet she thinks it's okay for us to have to go to a kangaroo court outside of the actual judiciary system to, to uh, try to justify and plead for our own documents. That well, I mean, you're birth, right. She cha- she's, she's championed LGBT rights. She's championed, of course, yes. the pro-choice uh, during, yes. the ado- uh, during the abortion referendum. Yes. And, and she yeah. can't and even, even give rights to people who are alive. So they've, they've, <laughs> they've, yeah, exactly. They, she's championed bodily autonomy rights right to equality of, of uh, opportunities such as getting married and stuff. And now recently in the divorce referendum, the right to, to, to reduce pain and suffering, unnecessary pain and suffering, all of these three things apply to adoptees. Yeah. Why are we not being considered equal citizens? And, I, and obviously, with all respect to the birth mothers and their rights, the majority of birth mothers do not want to stop adoptees getting equal no. rights. Uh, the majority are very happy to, but even if they but don't you know, but you know what is But you know as well as I do, Kay, what this is about. This yeah. is about... Let's say, you know, Case, uh, Milady finds out who her father is or who her yeah. mother is, right? And now, I know you did, and we're going to talk about that in a second. You find out who, but let's yeah. say, for example, your mother wasn't a willing participant yeah. and didn't want to know you, right? And yeah. that's a horrible thing to say, and I do apologize. No, but it's but the reality. It's the reality for many people, right? For, for 20 years, I didn't know otherwise. So, uh, and, yeah. and you demand under new legislation, in inverted commas, that I have a right to know who my mother is. So they give you the name and they say, listen, here's the name, but you're not allowed to go and see her. Okay, but oh, Kate, yeah, of course, <laughs> but Kate, oh, of yeah. course, <laughs> says, I'm going to see whether you like it or not, and yeah. arrives at her mother's door. Then it's invariably what could happen is because your mother signed a form, uh, you know, all those years ago, saying, I'm putting my child yeah. up for adoption, don't want to see her again, that she could then invariably sue the state. And that's In what they're theory, afraid of. Yeah, but, no, they are. But the thing is, the interesting thing is anonymity was never guaranteed. It's not constitutionally supported. In any way, there is no anonymity. This is a, this is a ruse, and most birth parents were told your child is now anonymous and cut off from you. Never look for them. So they've told both sides of the triad. Uh, you know, the adoption triad is the adoptive parent mm-hmm. with the birth mother on one side and the child on the other. And and both the child and the parent, the birth mother, has been told that they're now cut off and never ever should look for their child. Now, and and with all respect, like they know that the legal protections and rights of a parent have been moved to another group. So the mother in herself, birth mother, uh, and even birth father, have abrogated responsibilities. So there's no, there's, there is no uh, onus, or rather there's no, no requirement from the birth mother to be involved as such, uh, and certainly on birth father also. And, you know, realistically, they have, the birth mother and birth father have the right to uh, a barring order, they have a right to remove, uh, you know, to, to request legally no contact as a normal citizen, as anyone else does. Like, I can get information about yourself, Niall, and I can't go around and do something I want with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're protected by GDPR under that as well, but so is the birth mother. I have an entitlement to my documents under I would freedom agree, of information, GDPR and all that. And the interesting thing is... Every, well, every it's your, well, it's your information. I mean, I don't know where the exactly. GDPR comes into it, although well, the mother's well, name is on it. But sorry, just very yeah. quickly, because I, I, I'm short on time as well, Kate, and I'm conscious yeah. of that. I don't want to brush you too much. But So you eventually found out who your mother was. Yeah, I, I called her... I, rather, I called the Adoption Society who adopted me out on my birthday, my 18th birthday. And uh, my adoptive mother, or my birth mother rather, had called her the same woman hours before, 
saying she was available for contact if I was and willing. That's, a, that's a really lucky thing to happen. Oh in my most God, cases, it's exceptional. Yeah. Jesus, like I mean, I I went looking on the chance, you know, thinking it'd be a decade before I hear anything and should be on the other side. Well, of the it world. normally is for uh, most people a decade before you hear or, anything. Yeah, that's it. And they were dead or or passed on or living elsewhere. And it turned out that my biological mother lived three miles up the road from me my entire life, and her parents lived two miles the other side of me. <laughs> literally along a main road those coincidences um, are very common my my sister actually common. was raised uh, about three miles away from where I lived and we had Isn't common that? we had common friends there was only a year in the difference between oh the two of us and we had common friends yeah we knew she friends was. of each other and she went to a nightclub that I used to work in and we could have ended up meeting each other we could have well, ended and, up dating and you know what the weird thing say. is you could have had a mad connection at that age not knowing what it was and God forbid I know it sounds awful but <laughs> you never know where it could have gone absolutely, absolutely. And, and this so, you, of, so you met her anyway nothing. yes I met her and my, my adoptive parents met her 20 minutes later which was amazing I met her own parents uh, my grandparents very shortly afterwards um, and, and started building a relationship and uh, we're 20 years reunited this year and uh, and it's really good like it's, it's mad it's, it's never going to be how it could have been which is fair enough but we have a really good healthy relationship for three kids as well my half brothers and sisters I'm really close with them also and and it's actually gotten to the point now where we actually forget who knows where we're reunited because it's not a secret well that's a wonderful um, and, story it's, uh, yeah, I'm glad really there's a happy wonderful. ending to some extent but you don't know who your father is no, and I'm still looking for him, and it would be and wonderful. Especially, can, can I'm an I electrical engineer, and it turns out he's an electrical engineer. I only found that out recently. And I, I turn like, and I'm a woman doing electrical engineering, which is very right, common, okay. like aircraft engineering. So uh, I need to find it. I would love to find it. I would love to have a chat. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. If, if, you're, yeah. if you're having a good relationship with your, with your mom now, your birth mom, do, yeah. she knows who your father is. Oh, she told me his name and everything. Oh, the so problem you have his is name. years later. Oh, yeah, I have his full name. The problem is it's years later, and uh, as much as the internet's handy, he's got a really common name. Oh, right. <laughs> it's really, yeah. Right, okay. It's, it's I'm not gonna, I, I know what you mean. Okay, so he's Paul. Yeah, Murphy I might have to go like the that. DNA yeah. route. But I, right. I, I might have to go the DNA route, which is actually another point towards this ridiculous, ridiculous law coming in, this bill. It doesn't, it, it actually hinders us. And in reality, with the likes of, of genetic testing, DNA testing out there, and ancestry and genealogy checks, this is the tide that's rising. And, and actually supporting adoptees finally, for the first time in the history of the state, actually caring about the children who were given up and given away and forced to adapt. It's about time the state stepped up for us. You know, we've been forgotten on the scrappy for so long, and this country claims it's coming into a liberal new era. And that, that is not true until they finally bring all of us along with. I want to, I want to just read this one out, and, and, and don't take offence to this, but somebody says, I'm not in work and I can't come on the air, but that woman has enraged me. And I was a bit concerned when I saw that first. But she says, not all adoption cases are rejection. I was 16 years of age, school kid, and fell pregnant in 1993. I had no means or family to support or raise the child. It broke my heart to give him up for adoption. He's a very happy young man now who was raised in an amazing loving home, and he was not rejected. Uh, he was given the life that he deserved. And with respect to that woman, and I totally empathise with her and see her point of view, but for a child who grows up and in an infant state ends up without their primary caregiver. I mean, the first three months of life is considered the fourth trimester. Um, that for that child, it is rejection. Mm-hmm. They don't, and I, well, I, I, not I, understand I, I, I the And that. I totally understand her reasons and, and I wouldn't feel angry at her or in any way unkind towards her. This isn't about revenge or anger or resentment or anything and I empathise with them but it's time that people stopped listening. Sorry, rather not stopped but it's time that people started 
listening to well, you. Well, I'm glad she knows the history of her child and where her child is now, and that she obviously knows the child is, you know, doing quite well now because obviously time has has moved on. But I would agree with you because although my mother at the time she was in a mother and baby home, um, yeah. and she felt possibly it was the right thing to do at the time, although she gave me some horrific stories that happened there, and um, unfortunately she was taken advantage of at the time, and that's how she ended up oh, pregnant. But but in saying that, my mother would have said the same thing. But you yeah. know, I know the feeling of rejection the that internet. you're talking about. Yeah. And, and that feeling is so strong that we will never or we will find it very difficult as a group to be very open and honest about our true feelings for fear of further rejection from the families that we're in. For adoptive parents and birth parents and the wider public generally will hear a story of adoption that adoptees feel you are able to hear, that right. you are able to hold on to and understand. Right, It'd be well, nice if they open their hearts more. Thank you very much indeed for coming on the air Thank and you, it's Niall. an intriguing story and, 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 and certainly can I hope everyone sign Ahantas petition online A-I-T-H-E-A-N-T-A-S where with Uplift please sign please help us change Ireland what I'll do is I'll get Helena to tweet that and I'll to put it Brilliant. on her Facebook page as well to put a link to it in the next 20 minutes or so alright all right, listen, thank you very, thank you very, very much, much. Kate Lady. All right, take care. You. Well, there you go. Um, it's an interesting story just to follow on from what we talked about the other day about adoption of the new adoption bill that's coming in. And as you can see, there are people affected by it. And it is, I, I absolutely agree with her. And I know, I'm not disrespecting the person who sent in that text, by the way, saying she was enraged and uh, not everybody who's put up for adoption feels rejected. But sadly, you might not think that. And as a mother, I understand the circumstances she was in at the time. What you had to do was the right thing to do for you at the time. But certainly, maybe I don't know that particular child, but most children who have gone or have been put up for adoption, when they become adults, they do feel a lever of rejection. Whether you like it or not, they do. And I do believe that Kate is absolutely 100% that every person in this world has the right to know who their mother and father is. I don't care if the mother and father don't want them to know. You have, as a child, as a person, you have a right to know who your parents are. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic.